Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to episode number 59 of the Still City Insider Podcast. Hey, Jim, it's the Ray May episode. Linebacker out of USC, 1967. Or is there another guy who wore 59? Yeah, I'm, let's I introduce Matt Cecil to drop that bomb for me. Matt, Matt, yeah, what's his awesome. first name? Yeah, wasn't there a Jack? Jack, uh, Jack, I don't know, I can't, I can't yeah. place it, 59. Yeah, little, little Jack Cam, right? But I thought we would go oh. old school, back to 67, the, the linebacker yeah. to wear 59 before Jack Cam. Ray May, little history lesson, we're with the... The insider himself, so hopefully he's proud of me with that one. But this is episode. Go ahead. How about the guy who wore the uniform one year after Jack Ham? Who was that? Todd Seaball. Wow. Yeah, it it didn't go over well Mm. in Pittsburgh, right? That's as a music aficionado, Jim, that's a deep cut right there. Well, Ray May. It's not Ray May, but it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we are very excited for all of you joining us here today on episode number 59. We have a lot to cover, lots of moves, a bounty of riches for the Steelers and free agency. And if you are following the work of these two gentlemen here, Jim and Matt on the Still City Insider, great stuff. A lot of great coverage here of these free agents. Check that out out at the Still City Insider. And real fast before I forget, and Jim yells at me, check out On the Clock. It is a phenomenal book. It um, is. Yeah, I, I read it and, um, you know, it. wow. I mean, especially leading up to draft time, those 90s teams, Steelers teams, um, that's when I was growing up and, and, and getting to know the Steelers tradition and to relive that. Uh, Jim really captures that. So Jim, you want to talk about the book a bit? Well, let me just interject before we get. I mean, we're also going to talk about the draft outlook. I think that's yes. that's the part Matt and I are really looking forward to getting into because yeah. free agency has changed the draft outlook right now. So that's exciting to talk about. We'll get to that. Let me get the book stuff out of the way. And there's a lot of good Jack Ham stuff because he played high school ball in Central PA, was a nobody. Uh, Bad Rad Radakovich uh, scouted him for Penn State a couple times, didn't remember. He scouted somebody else, did not remember watching Jack Ham twice. Wow. And so there, there was some good Jack Ham stuff in there that a lot of people don't know about. <laughs> but anyway, I was at the Canton uh, Library, Canton Hall of Fame. I was researching for my next two, three books. And there was an older gentleman. I know I'm an older gentleman, but this was an older, older gentleman. He asked me, he goes, what are, you, what are you doing? I said, I'm researching for some books. He goes, have you written any? I said, yeah, five. And, and he goes, what, what have you done? And I told him, I did a polemology biography. He goes, I just read that. I just That's read awesome. that. That was really good. I liked the style. He told me three times he really liked it before he left. So I was That's very nice. proud. I'm still proud. And I had to I had to brag about it. But you can get that book at my site for half off, uh, jimwexel.com. I mean, Done with selling. Done yeah, with selling. Hey, I'm going to sell it too because Polamalu is great. You know, and I, you, you got, I told you this before, man. You're like an artist. You, you really got a skill there that you've developed so and for you Steeler fans I bought I bought the book for a friend of mine so it's a good gift too on the clock man get you know for us draft nerds out there man it's it's a great read so thank you Matt. 100% your your column uh yesterday morning was a great read too so let's get into the good stuff now all, all right. right let's get into the good stuff so let's 
So we're going to talk about how the draft strategy for the Pittsburgh Steelers has been altered as a result of the signings of the free agents. Talk about the free agents. Yeah. Yep. So let's just, yeah, let's run through the list here. So when we were on here the last time, we we know that they signed Patrick Peterson, Nate Herbig, DeMonte Casey. But since then, uh, Cole Holcomb inside backer, they picked up out of Washington. And then a Landon Roberts inside backer out of Miami. And then I'm going to butcher this last name. I'm, I have I struggle with pronunciations. Isaac Sumalo, did I get it right or no? Well, the Polynesian names are really easy if you can if you look at them. I wrote them down on paper because I keep <laughs> Kiamatu, but mm-hmm. he's way better than Kiamatu. Mm-hmm. Isaac Siumalu. I mean, Siumalo. every every letter in, in Polynesian names is pronounced, so it's easy. Siumalo. Siumalo, and then just recently, James Pierre is going to return on a one-year deal, so they resign one of their own. But a lot of movement. We have an entirely new inside linebacking unit, which that's probably to the happiness of all Steelers Nation out there. But then also some big moves on the offensive line. Let's talk about these free agent signings. Matt, Jim, your thoughts. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I mean, I wrote about I, I like the fact that they sign leaders and captains. You know, so uh, – and I don't want to backtrack too far, but, you know, Jim, we were kind of debating the Cam Sutton thing, and I've been thinking about it. It's probably a smarter deal. I think going into the free agency, you see the amount of guys that they're adding where you get this market value on the first or second day. you got an average player that's a solid number two, but you're paying them above average money. And I think with Cole Holcomb, he's a guy that kind of fell under my radar a little bit because we were saying Bobby Okariki, and we are saying, like, Jermaine uh, Pratt and maybe seven or eight million dollars. I think the Steelers had a six million dollar year cap uh, spot, like three years, 18 million. Cole Holcomb fit in that window. And then you get Roberts, you, you know, you get for you well, know, you two and a half million. You talked about the, the captains. Tell, tell me about the captains. Go into that. Just I think, you know, you look at Holcomb being a walk-on in North Carolina and then working himself into an athlete. I think when you got guys that come into a, a franchise, you know, I think of Albert Hainsworth, right? You don't want, you don't want guys that are just not great for the locker room. You want guys that are going to come in and, and fall in line and, and then uplift the culture and uplift the group. So I think those guys fit each other. Well, one of the things about the linebackers, I don't think it's easy to find a unicorn out there. So you're going to have guys who who does really well in coverage out there, right? Like with Tremaine Edwards, maybe, but like it's going to be hard to find that. Jack so you Ham. Just get, you know, you're getting guys that are sideline to sideline. What's that? Jack Ham. Jack Ham. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. unicorns, yeah. Right. So you got guys that can stop the run that are smart dudes that are going to work hard, you know? So, I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm all for that so far. That, that. Those were those were solid signings, in my opinion. You know, I wrote a note down. I came across this: leaders don't create more followers; they create more leaders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. yeah. That's some philosophy right there. Well, here's another one I wrote down: God doesn't call the qualified; He qualifies the called. That's awesome. I thought Matt would like that. Oh yeah. And also, I one more. I'm having a hard time reading. It. Get. Pick up more broccoli and tea. Okay, that's my shopping. 
<laughs> You're getting existential in here. Wow. So when we look at we look at these inside yeah. backers, great leadership qualities. They're going to be paired with Mark Robinson. We know we've moved on from Devin Bush. Robert Spillane is now out of the picture. So when we look at these signings, we look at what they have in Robinson, second year player. Is there still a need to draft an inside backer? That's the first question. The second question is, do they draft an inside linebacker? Not probably. Like Matt's opinion. Yeah. Yeah, not till late, I don't think. I, I think they have three on the roster. They're going to need a fourth. You know, so with those two seventh round picks, I mean, one of them possibly, but I just don't see it at least in the, in the first three rounds because the, you sign a guy for three years, like Holcomb, you're expecting him to start at least a year, maybe two, unless things just fall off where he has a ton of injuries and you got to move on. I mean, you're drafting him to be the starter for the next at least two, three seasons. So I don't really see with Robinson in the fold and Roberts there kind of in front of him, making sure that Robinson is ready. I just don't see it in the first three rounds. Yeah. I'd like to see a later guy like Ivan Pace. He's only 5'10". Right. We tried 5'10 and wasted a first round pick and and more on 5'10". Right. Ivan Pace from Cincinnati, he's... I want pure instincts. Sure, you know, sure. I'm very scared, and thankfully they signed some linebackers, but I'm very scared that Tomlin's going to call on Trenton Simpson at Clemson because of his 40 time, his run and hit ability. You know, he loves that out of his Mac backers. Timmons was his very first pick. And, you know, he became good, and Shazier became great, but Bush, and, you know, I just – I don't see it in Trenton Simpson. I want pure instincts. And Ivan Pace is Cincinnati. He's short. Yeah, he is just a magician as a tackler. I don't right. know how much you guys have watched of him, but that's the kind of guy you get later because he's short, but he's a pit bull. Sure. And the other guy, I haven't watched film, but what I've heard and uh, uh, the numbers, the tackles numbers, Dorian Williams from Tulane, that's yeah. a guy you might be able to get in the sixth round too. So right. Those, that's what I'm thinking about. But I, I, I'm glad that inside linebacker is off the table for a most yeah. part, especially premium picks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Most of these guys can't cover anyway. I mean, he, we were talking about this before, but if the guy runs four, 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 five, but he's 240 pounds, it's hard for them to change direction and stay with these these receivers that are are That's quick. Still tempting. That's yeah. still tempting. Four, it four, is and two forty. The sure. The one thing that I think that we can at least look forward to is you've got a almost a completely new room there at inside backer. So. For better or for worse, we're going to see a change in the type of performance on the field. Now, will it be for the better? It should. Logically, these are signings that, you know, um, you look at that Miami connection there. How much uh, of a, a handprint did Brian Flores maybe have to say, hey, Coach T, you know, check out Landon Roberts. So, right. um, you know, maybe these are two pieces that are going to help really solidify the interior of this run game. Now, if they could just find a big man to play nose in the draft, you know. Well, you know, I was just yeah. I was just looking at some tape of uh, Keanu Benton from yeah, Wisconsin like because I, I I I tweeted today that uh, the first round pick. Uh, my 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 prediction, the way I see it, is Darnell Wright. The right tackle from Tennessee at 17. Deontay Banks, the press man corner sprinter from Maryland, the cornerback at uh, 32. And Mozzie Smith, 
the nose tackle from Michigan, sometimes nose tackle. He moved all around uh, at, at 49. And somebody responded, Keanu Benton uh, is more likely at 49. And I thought, yeah, Wisconsin, boy, they love Wisconsin. They play the same scheme as the Steelers. Keanu Benton, they looked at him at senior bowl. I watched tape. Uh-uh, no, there's no way he goes in the second round. And I watched tape of Ohio State, so I watched the best. And yeah. he, they pushed him all over the field. Really? At the goal line, he he got driven back. That Ohio okay. State center handled Mozzie Smith pretty well, too. Who is the Ohio State center? Give me some Whippler. of that. Yeah, Whippler. In the <laughs> yeah. Is round. he up? Is he in for the draft? Yeah, third yeah. round kind of projection there. Boy, I tell you, he handled both of those guys. Now, Mozzie Smith is kind of dull, but he's stronger. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he commanded more double teams. And so there was more respect from opposing teams. Uh, uh, and he played hard all the way through. Mm-hmm. There some, uh, there's some questions about character because of uh, the uh, incident he had uh, where he was arrested. But, you know, that that he was speeding and he had an uh, unregistered gun and he was getting his paperwork done. Yeah, uh, it was about a week away. Yeah. 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 So okay, I can I can write that off. He is a defensive nose tackle. He was team captain. Flyer boy at that position. Right, but he was uh, a captain. You know, he, he was a captain. His, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. you see his body transform from when he came in there. I mean, he is a freak show, and you know, it's if, all chronicle Bruce Feldman's number one freak. But I mean, he, if somebody drafts him before forty nine, that's okay. Yeah. I wasn't that impressed with him. Yeah. Right. But I think you get him around Cam Hayward and you get him around, you know, those professionals that, you know, can groom him a little bit. Uh, there's so much upside there physically uh, that he's got the athletic ability to play nose, but also play, you know, in sub package. And I think that's rare to find too. I kind of, I like him at 32. I mean, uh, I, I don't, that's too rich for me. I want to get a corner. I got to get I a corner. I want Patrick Peterson teaching somebody or two. Right. I like Darnell Wright too, and uh, but I think I I think if Porter can be there, I think that that would be the way to go. Or you know, I think even possibly Witherspoon. I think the way it's set up to me, it would be like all right, corner or tackle, and then you get the best one. And then I think there's three defensive linemen there. We're talking about maybe Keon White, though he's 24, 25 years old. He just ran between 465 and 475, 285 pounds, 34-inch arms, strong. I'm watching him at the combine going, oh, my God, this dude dropping into coverage. He looks like a linebacker at 285. He can move. I mean, he's raw. He got greasy. He's stiff, too, and they need a nose tackle. And they need a nose tackle. So I think, you know, it's. I think uh, you're going to get a run stuffer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I you, can get those, you can get those later. Yeah. And they typically, I mean, at the nose position, you could get a guy who can come in and contribute right away because they're not in their base defense. Uh, high percentage of the time with, with the passing games that they're facing here. But kind of pivoting a bit. So we talked about inside backer. <clears throat> we talked about Sayumalo at the yeah. outset. But a lot yeah. of work done here. On the offensive line, Nate Herbig, who we referenced last week. But now Suamalo, you have to think that he's slated for that left guard position. Maybe that's the end for Kevin Dotson. Kendra Green is just an after afterthought at this point. But hearing talk about, and again, this is probably just whatever, rumor, just generating uh, content, but James Daniel potentially moving to center, I don't see that. But they still have a need to tackle. 
Let's talk about the offensive line, its current state now with these additions. What work is still left to be done? And this it seems to be a center-rich draft. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I didn't put in the piece, Jim, and I I, I wanted to was I think with Weidel, and this could be just coincidence. He, you know, we could talk about it. But when he was with Philly and he drafted Landon, Landon Dickerson and he played center for Alabama and Siumalo played 23 games. That's what I found in the research. I certainly didn't watch Oregon State, but according to what I found, 23 games at center for Oregon State. So you had Jason Kelsey, Dickerson, Siumalo. They all were centers. They're all smart dudes. They're like quarterbacks of the offensive line. Is that a coincidence? I don't know. Maybe, but like, he then drafted the kid out of Nebraska last year, maybe to take over for Kelsey, but now he's going to move in at, in Philly at right guard for Siamalo. Point is, the Steelers now have Mason Cole, they have Daniel, and now they have Siamalo. All those guys played center in college, so you're getting a very smart interior line. You know, like, I, I yeah. think that's positive. But this is a great draft for centers, and I don't see them drafting one now. Maybe Whipler in round three. You, I, I don't know. I mean, Mason Cole, is he – you know, see a 10 year, is he a five year guy? I think round three could be, hey, best player available if they don't trade. Because okay. I think, well, hey, yeah. you got me sold on the Ohio State kid. I just watched him blow Benton off the line all day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and handle uh, Mozzie Smith, too. You know, it'll be like the Steelers yeah. when they drafted Mike Webster in the fifth round. The Bears drafted the, the middle linebacker from uh, Tennessee State in the uh, fourth pick. And Radakovich said, I don't know what they're drinking watching the Super Bowl tape. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if the Steelers draft Mozzie Smith or Benton before the Ohio State Center. But, um, yeah, I don't see it happening, though. They have so many centers into your line, and, and Weidel, doesn't, Weidel doesn't make the draft picks. No. He helps, he helps put right. the board together. Right. Uh, they, 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 have, they need a tackle, and they need a defensive they tackle. Do. They need a corner mm -hmm. or two, maybe even mm -hmm. a wide receiver. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a tight end maybe yeah. yeah so so jim in terms of um in terms of seomalu so does he push does he make kevin donson expendable both seomalu and herbig well i keep hearing expendable and they're going to try to trade him i mean Just trading who's going who's to give up a draft pick right before the draft for kevin donson you know yeah. maybe after the draft they can get a sixth rounder in next year's draft that <laughs> don't care about their draft picks then but you're not going to you're not going to get a draft pick for him i i i doubt it yeah right uh, yeah i mean so i think he stays so he stays and he fights and maybe that's what they want out of him to fight yeah. for his job lose a little weight whatever whatever they have been disappointed with his off seasons the last couple of years this could change yeah. it with some you know the fire and brimstone of losing your job. I really didn't quite, I, I, I don't disagree. I'm not a line expert. I didn't really quite understand. I thought he had a pretty decent second half of the season. He was rated pretty high in PFF in terms of by the end of the year, like top 15 or 20 guard. I mean, he was killing it against Baltimore. So he had a good game there. He had a good game against Indy. If you watch the Colts game, every game, every cutback, him and Moore were blowing up running lanes on the inside zone. And then the cutback was there and they're getting good gains with Benny Snell. Like he, they had, they did good things. And he apparently ran like 
four eight four nine when he was getting ready prior he didn't have a combine as covid year but he was a good athlete so i thought there was upside there but he never pulls you know so uh yeah. they obviously see something that's not long term there and i'm okay with getting a guy that you know very proven is a now you're getting an above average guy at an average a pretty average price for a guard yeah that was a win i love siamali yeah I watched some of him. Wow. This mm-hmm. is this is their best lineman. Yeah. They just got a great deal. Move him to center if you want. But I, I see him moving to left guard, replacing yep. Dotson. I yep. see Herbig as the swing guy. Yep. And uh, I see Dotson fighting for his life. Kendrick mm-hmm. Green's there in case someone gets injured. Mm-hmm. And maybe even J.C. Hassenauer <clears throat> is ahead of Green uh, for that emergency center, uh, number 10 guy, practice squad, whatever. Right. But so I really like what the line's doing. And now you definitely need a backup tackle. Now, I'm saying right tackle because I like Darnell Wright as a player better than um, the Georgia kid. What's his name again? Uh, Broderick. Great feet who can't block in. Everybody everybody makes moves on him inside. And I think the rest of the Georgia line helped him out with that great stat of his, no sacks allowed or something. I think Mm -hmm. Darnell Wright's a better player, more powerful. The fact he plays right tackle – means he'll be available at 17 for sure. I don't know right. about – I'm sorry. The name escapes me of the Georgia kid. Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones. <clears throat> Everybody loves him. Everybody tells me I'm wrong. Everybody thinks Dan Moore is the worst player between uh, – hey, I don't want to I don't want to argue about Dan Moore and Chooksakor for it. you got right. a player you love, and that's, that's what you do at 17. You draft someone you love. And I, I really like Darnell Wright a lot. So because he's a right tackle and I, I can hear I can hear them sitting at the at the podium on draft day telling us he played left tackle his junior year. So we're going to see where he fits most comfortably. They're not going to tell us he's going to we're going to line him up to take Chooks's job. They'll they'll make him the swing tackle in theory, probably get a veteran with a little left tackle just in case it doesn't like Trent Scott. Mm-hmm. Get Trent Scott back. Uh, he's got left tackle experience. And I don't know that Dan Moore's a worse left tackle than Chooks is a right tackle. I don't know that. I know Chooks is getting paid. Man, it's still early on Dan Moore. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Like he's had to start for two years. That dude, he's a professional. Yeah. He got better and better. I mean, John Jackson, I guess, was pretty terrible. Which I don't remember. Like, yeah. but yeah, you know, early yeah. on. So I think, you know, people look at him as a fourth round pick and then he's had his struggles and like, oh, he's, he's no good. They got to give, I, I don't see, I see a guy who's gradually improving and he, he plays hard. He's physical in the run game. I like, I, I think the right side is there for the taking. And I think you're yeah. paying a court for 10 million. And I don't think he's really improved all that. He's still young, but he's not physical in the run game. So you get a Darnell right. Who's only 21 years old? He'll be 22 in August, and he's got long arms. And at 3:30, not that I put all the stock in a 40-yard dash for an offensive line, but but as soon as he took off, I was like, that's different. And then at 330 pounds, you know, and then there's only three guys at 3:30 that have run that fast since like yeah. 2003, and he was a five-star recruit. So you know there's big time talent there at a very young age, and they like young kids. So yeah, that those things had me like, oh, I like him or you know Joey Porter Jr. there at 17. Well, my thinking on Joey Porter Jr. and I know 
Tama, Tama, Tama told me he thinks he's sauce. Yeah. yeah. Last year, yeah. when this was before he, he figured it would metastasize into draft talk on the internet. Right. Uh, so I know, I know he liked him last year, before last year, and then the kid went out and had a really good senior season, yeah. last season. So, um, but the thing is, there's so many corners that you can get at 32. I don't know that there are so many tackles you can get at 32. And tackle yeah. is a must draft because true. they need number three. Yeah, true. And tackles are so expensive in free agency, just like corners. Yeah. So that's they have to draft a tackle. And I think uh, it's more imperative that they do it at 17 than 32 because there are more corners at 32. Yeah, right. I would just say the difference with him, sorry, like the 34 inch arms, six foot two and a half, you know, six Super Bowls, they had a six foot four corner in Blount, a six foot two corner in Taylor. So the, they've always had that guy mm-hmm. and he can play press man with that length, you know. Have, and so I, have, you watched, have you watched Deontay Banks from Maryland yet? Not, not enough. Yeah. yeah. That's I don't think game. he's going to be there at 32, though, Jim. I think he might be in play at 17. He can't catch. He can't catch. Okay. I thought Ike was bad. Yeah. I watched <laughs> Ike in practice. Ike actually has soft hands in practice. This kid, the balls clang off him. He okay. can't catch. So that yeah. – and, hey, PZ Jr. only has one pick, too. And, mm-hmm. and Banks only has one pick. But the tape on Banks shows that he really fights the ball. Yeah, sure. And it's hard to get picks when you're playing press man. Yeah. Well, okay, but I think that'll hurt him as a first rounder. People want that DB that's going to pick the ball off. Yeah. So if Porter falls to 17, then because of that, I you know, I take it. Like it well, I'm saying Deontay Banks will fall to 32 and there oh, won't yeah. be a great yeah. tackle that will. Yeah. Right. Right. Just that's just my thinking. And if Deontay back- Banks is gone, Cam Smith, somebody like that. But yeah. go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. Yeah, I just yeah. want to backtrack to the uh the the tackle discussion kind of round this out. But the you know, to the point about Dan Moore, he's still early in his career and looking at a core for I think he's entering his fifth season. We haven't seen anything dominant or anything that really popped on tape to say, wow, this guy maybe has a higher ceiling than we thought. I think we know yeah. what a core for is at this point. This is a second year of his three-year deal. This is a I don't want to call it a make or break camp year for him, but if he doesn't perform well and they do draft a guy like Wright, there the opportunity could be there for him to to be the starter. Now, um, on the other side there with Moore, hey, give him an opportunity. He started two years. He started as a rookie. He was a fourth round pick out of Texas A and M. This could be his year where the light bulb kicks on and maybe he is dominant or exactly because he has flashed a bit. He's flashed more mm-hmm. than Corfor did early on. So it sounds pretty yeah. evident. So, Jim, you're you're darn all right. Uh, 17. Matt, are you corner or are you on the tackle train? It's seven. I have an order, but I am on the I can understand the tackle train, too. I I, I can't like. I get it. I, I I almost would be happy. I know you think Mozzie's a little early at 32. I don't know. I we'll see what happens. I I you know at Weidel and the Eagles they took Jordan Davis at 13. And they moved up to get that nose tackle type and Smith played a lot more snaps. If you give me Wright and Mozzie Smith and you get you you're drafting into linemen and you're building in the trenches. I mean that's a win. You could pick up a Julius Brents maybe a, a long. <laughs> corner at 49 there's options there but i see those three positions well you, you you get those two guys and you're ready to play the 67 packers right 
<laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if you're ready for the two 2023 Bengals, but the Bengals and Joe Burrow. Well, maybe I get Brents there. There's some depth there. Maybe Cam Smith. Marzi Smith is just so boring. I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, I get okay. it. It, you don't you don't give up the so easy runs. They don't give up the easy runs now. Right. No, that's true. But I don't know. I think I think there's value there. And and when you have a big guy that maybe you can go cover two when you got your nose and you can have seven in the box and you got that guy that's gonna draw a double team. You know, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I just think that they're interested. Possibly, you know, you read well, the you're in Michigan. You're a Michigan guy, so I don't want to hear any more of this. <laughs> hey, well, I'm into the freak athletes. You give me a freak athlete who's been a captain and, and works hard. I know he's had the off-field thing. That was one incident. But, you you know, it's a red flag. But, like, I, I can work with those guys. I put that guy next to Cam Hayward because if he's gone at 49, then who do I got? You didn't like well, the betting tape. You're, since you're in Michigan – you can work with him, actually, physically, literally work with him. So that'll, that'll be your job. Uh, let me just finish that. Uh, you didn't ask me, uh, Darnell Wright or, or Joey Porter Jr. Um, yeah. Jeremy, I, I predicted both on Twitter. So either way, I'm going to retweet the one I was right on. Yes. Right? Oh. Now, okay. Broderick Jones Broderick Jones is very interesting because he does have great feet and he can yeah. get out in space. I don't know that that's a left tackle's primary job. I want my guards doing that. But if they, you know, I'm not, of course, Andy Weidel. If they like Broderick Jones and yeah. with those feet and that athleticism and that high caliber of competition he's played at, okay, great. I can easily be talked into that. But uh, personally, Darnell Wright. And I haven't looked at the 6'8 Ohio State right tackle. Uh, Matt, have you looked at him yet? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a those guys and even Orlando Brown, I know he's a good player. And if they like him, same thing as you said, then I'm okay with it. Like Adams. I, I just, like right. Adams. Yeah. You know, and I, it he wasn't 6'8", though, was he? Was he 6'8"? Big boy. Yeah. yeah, he's pretty tall. I think he was, was he 6'8"? I don't know, 6'7". Six, six, but six. anyway. Yeah. Max Starks, I, Max Starks was an effective player at six, I think, six six and right. three quarters. But you're playing inside and outside zone now. Can you be able to execute all the blocking schemes out there? I don't know. That's for them to understand. He needs to lose 20 pounds, and he didn't move that terribly. I mean, 5'4", you know, Fanica ran 5'4". You know, so, like, I'm just looking at the movement skills. As long as he can execute all the the blocking schemes, but maybe they don't need to with him out at right tech. They'll know. I I just – I get hesitant on those 6'8 guys. I like guys that are 6'5 that can move a little bit, and now I can go inside zone, outside zone, pull them, you know, pin pull. I can do all of it. And now I I have the defense off balance. If I get a guy that's 6'8 to 375, can I do it all? Yeah. You know? And one more last note about Dan Moore. He's going to look better with Sigamalu at left guard. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. Well, we, this this it much it at least can be assumed that they have improved through free agency. They have changed the way we're thinking about their approach to the draft. And before you know it, I mean, we're it's March 21st. We're not that far away from the 2023 NFL draft. And hopefully we can have this conversation again here as we get closer to that first round. But Jim, Matt, great stuff. Anything you guys want to add here before we wrap up the uh, Ray May episode? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Yeah. Yeah, I remember no, Scotty to... May. Scotty May was my greatest May. Lee May was a good baseball player too, but <laughs> man, Ray May, come on. Ray May, Ray May. Hey, on that note, that's going to do it for episode number 59 of the Still City Insider podcast. You can check out both of these esteemed gentlemen, Jim Wexel, Matt Cecil, the Still City Insider. Give Jim a follow on Twitter at Jim Wexel. Matt, do you have a Twitter handle? No Twitter, you know. Okay. You know okay. I, I thought you were dark. On, yeah, no oh, social media there. Check out my thestillstudy.com. Give you follow at Still Study. Jim, go ahead. What were you going to say? Oh, Matt's one of those classy dudes that just doesn't deal with social media. I, I, I admire those people. Great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not classy. <laughs> well, neither am I. <laughs> that's why we make a good pair. <laughs> anyway, that's it for episode 59. We will see you back here next week for episode 60 of the Still City Insider podcast. Take care, everyone.